Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Well, welcome to our Tuesday night Torah study, everybody. Thank you for coming. Uh, let's see. Is this going to be a little bit too loud? Is it okay? All right. Then I'll just go for it. First time some of these guys back here don't like it, they can say something, right? Huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let me open in prayer. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thanks for the beautiful weather we've been enjoying. Uh, thank you for this group of people that found time in their schedules to come out and study your Torah. Thank you for your Torah. Thank you especially for the book of Deuteronomy and how much fun it is to, uh, to go through it line by line and to see how you really feel, God. This book ex just expresses your heart. I'd ask that you bless our discussion this evening and help us to learn from one another. Help us to uh, uh, ask good questions and to listen to each other's comments. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, like I say, I don't know, it's probably obvious by now, but I really like the book of Deuteronomy. I think it's really great. It's a lot of fun because, I don't know, I feel like you, you slog through the Torah. Leviticus is especially difficult for me. Uh, but then when you finally get to Deuteronomy, it's like a, oh, I don't know, it's a summary. It goes back and says, this is what you've read. You know, this is what I've been talking to you about. But it also describes, I don't know, it, it, it's got more personality in it than most of the other books. As you've noticed, there's not much action in Deuteronomy, but there's a lot that's talked about. Um, okay, anyway, last week we finished the Torah portion. The Torah portion we were on, uh, let's see, it was called... Ikev, Ikev, which began in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12. Ikev is the Hebrew word usually translated because. Um, and last week, that Torah portion, I beg your pardon? Why? Well, the reason it's called because is because. Beg your pardon? That's, oh, I see. Excuse me, you have to explain those to me. I think that's too loud. Can you go back to that one that says... Uh, uh, lav, and just turn the, the slider down about one notch. There, that's better. Thank you. Um, never mind. Since it was a joke and I didn't get it, I'll just forget that. <clears throat> the last Torah portion ended in chapter 11, verse 25, and I went ahead and read to the end of the chapter, the end of chapter 11, because I think it's just a really nice, short little paragraph that just um, encapsulates some of the key points that God and Moses have been trying to teach the Israelites. So I want to read that again, and then we'll move on to chapter 12 and start talking about that. Uh, chapter 11, verse 26, mine says, See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of Yahweh your God that I'm giving you today, 
and the curse if you disobey the commands of Yahweh your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. When Yahweh your God brought you into the, has brought you into the land that you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebal the curses. As you know, these mountains are across the Jordan, west of the road toward the setting sun, near the great trees of Moray in the territory of those Canaanites living in the Arabah in the vicinity of Gilgal. You are about to cross the Jordan to enter and take possession of the land Yahweh your God is giving you. When you have taken it over and li are living there, be sure you obey all the decrees and laws I'm setting before you today. A lot of the stuff we're going to read this tonight and for the next week or so is uh, it's kind of repetitive. And I guess part of the reason for that is because Moses really wants them to get it. And so he says it two or three times. And he says it, and, and I think there's a little bit of repetition even in this paragraph. There's a couple of important, important points I wanted to I wanted to make one of the ones that's real important, in my opinion, is, uh, is it clear from this, does what, from this, what role does obedience play in your salvation? What role does obedience to the Torah play in your salvation from this? Beg your pardon? Well, I would have said just the opposite. I would have said it has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. What but, it says here that obedience is for blessing and cursing. Yep. But I've, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm in a situation where I don't have the ability to do those things that are recognized by God, mm -hmm. that's that's, that's deja funny. vu there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then it's it's it doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. So if I need, I guess what I'm trying to, I understand where you're going with this, and I'm trying to. If I was saved in such a way that I have the opportunity to do this, and it means in in Adonai is bound up to bless me because I'm doing the right thing, then arguably, like Marvin says, this it has everything to do yeah. with it. I see where you're coming from too, and you're right in that way. In that, if you don't have the, you called it. Ability to do these things? You're desire. The, the desire is the key. And salvation no, 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 allows the, you to have the desire. The authority. You don't have, well, I suppose you could, I guess what I'm, if you're the house of Israel and you're given a bill of divorce and you don't have the ability to do this, it's recognized by God, then it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it doesn't have any, if, it, if you get blessings from it, it's accidental. Well, let me. Does that make push, sense? Yeah, it does. But let me push a little bit on that because, um, if you do them, why, why, would you, okay, why would you want to do the Torah? Why would you want to be obedient to the Torah? Well, yeah, well just go ahead. With the mic. We'll wait. Um, because you love Yehovah, your God. Okay. And it, so like it says in uh, uh, verse uh, 22, uh, for if you di shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love Yehovah your God, to walk in all his ways and to cling to them, then he's talking about driving out the nations. But yeah. several places, if you start looking at it, if you love, yeah. then you will do. If I love my wife, then I will respond to her in a certain way or treat her a certain yeah. way. 
And so, therefore, now, does that come with blessings? If you love God, the blessings and the curses? Mm -hmm. Yes, but it's like, how do you get salvation if you don't love? Mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. I understand that. As a matter of fact, I've, it's caused me to rethink this a little bit, too. The point I was trying to make, and perhaps not very well, is that obedience to Torah is not an issue with your salvation. Your salvation is a different thing. And so you don't have to be obedient to the Torah to gain your salvation. You don't have to do that to please God. Torah is, I call it a get-to, not a have-to. It's about blessings and curses. It says right there. Yeah. So I agree that if you're a, a Yahweh fearer, mm -hmm. not Israel, but you say, I'm a Yahweh fearer, you, you're going to get blessings just because it's built into the system. Yep. But let's, let's do this contextual thing. Okay. Because we're talking about... The, the, not forget the two houses yet. That's way down the road. Okay. This is talking about context right here. Were they saved from slavery in Egypt? They're, they're, the ones that are going in, some of them did, but they all did when they left. Yeah, I would say yes. Uh -huh. So they can't do the. They can't get the Torah until they're freed away from the Pharaoh. If they're, they're saved from the Pharaoh, is that a stretch? No, I don't think so. Okay, so there's there's a connection. Yeah, oh, absolutely, there's a connection. Christianity says, oh, there's not. That's they're a million miles away. I don't think that's true. I no. think you're. That's. Well, I like I say. Go ahead. You know, Jose, when he goes laying in Egypt, he is a uh, uh, younger when he go slay, and he is obeying whatever the people telling him. When they cut his his hair, he don't want it, but he obey in the place he, the, the, he be, and that's why the Lord prosper him, because he don't change his belief, but uh, in the situation he live, he need to be adapting and be obeying with the people slavering him. Um, that's uh, in the history when I read that, that, that teach me, or teach here in the Torah, we need to be, be obeying whatever the place we use. The only thing he can do is uh, worship the gods, you know, or when they told you need to make a respect to them, he don't do it because he put clear where he believed, okay. but he respect the people. Okay. So let me take what you said and kind of flip it. Obedience to the Torah does not guarantee salvation. That's right. But, um, but the salvation is probably a precursor to obedience. One might lead to the other. Although it's hard to imagine you'd put much heart in trying to be obedient to the Torah if you didn't already love God. Anyway, enough of that. I was just enjoying, I, I like that section because it, uh, to me it really, pinpoint some of the stuff that, uh, like John was saying, the, the, the connection between obedience and salvation. It's not one leads, not one causes the other. It's that one kind of follows the other. There's, someone else has often said, you know, okay, so you get saved. Now what do you do? Well, the point is, is once you get saved and you have a personal relationship with God, your natural desire ought to be to want to do this. 
because that's that's how you please him. That's what it says. If yeah. you love me, do this. If do these commandments. Me, keep my commandments. Yeah, it says that not once, but a good couple of dozen times. Anyway, let me let me move on before I get in trouble here. Let's move on to verse or to chapter twelve. Um, let's see. Get somebody to read here. Verse 19. Would someone want to read the first 19 verses of chapter 12? Verse 19? No, the first, nine, the first 19 verses of chapter 12. From verse 1 through 19. Oh, good. We'll get Alfonso. Hi, Alfonso. It's nice to see you. <laughs> He's, yeah, he is. Tricky dude. <laughs> These are the laws and right rulings which you guard to do in the land which Yahweh Elohim of your fathers is giving you to possess. All the days that you live on the land, completely destroy all the places where the nations which you are dispossessing serve their mighty ones, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall break down their altars and destroy their pillars and burn their asherim with fire. And you shall cut down the carved images of their mighty ones and shall destroy their name out of that place. Do not do so to Yahweh your Elohim, but seek the place with Yahweh your Elohim chooses out of all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling place. And there you shall enter. And there you shall take your burnt offerings and your offerings and your tithes and the contributions of your hand and your vowed offerings and your voluntary offerings and the firstlings of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before Yahweh your Elohim and shall rejoice in all that you put your hand to. You and your households in which Yahweh your Elohim has barak you. Do not do all that we do here today, each one whatever is right in his own eyes, because you have not yet entered the rest and the inheritance which Yahweh your Elohim is giving you. But you shall pass over the Yardin and shall dwell in the land which Yahweh your Elohim is giving you to inherit. And he shall give you rest from all your enemies round about. And you shall dwell in safety. And it shall be that unto the place which Yahweh your Elohim chooses to make his name dwell there, there you are to bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your offerings and your tithes and the contributions of your hand and all your choice offerings, which you vow to Yahweh. And you shall rejoice before Yahweh your Elohim, you and your sons and your daughters, and your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite who was within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Guard yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, except in a place which Yahweh chooses. In one of your tribes, there you are to offer your burnt offerings, and there you are to do all that I command you. Only whatever your being desires, you shall slaughter and eat according to Rebecha of Yahweh, your Elohim, which he has given you within all your gates. The unclean and the clean do eat of it, the gazelle and the deer alike. Only the blood you do not eat, pour it on the earth like water. You are not allowed to eat within your gates the tide of your grain or of your new wine or of your oil, or of the firstlings, or of the herd, or your flock, or of any of your offerings which you vow, 
or of your voluntary offerings or of the contribution of your hand. But eat them before Yahweh, your Elohim, in the place where Yahweh, your Elohim, chooses. You and your son and your daughter and your male servant and your female servant and the Levite who is within your gates. And you shall rejoice before Yahweh, your Elohim, in all that he put your hands to. Guard yourself that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in your land. Okay, there's plenty of, plenty of stuff to talk about here. So, uh, first part, what was to be done with the uh, uh, Canaanite places of worship when the Israelites entered the land? Tear, down the Tear them down, destroy them, and it mentions them specifically the things. Uh, uh, break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and burn their Asherim or Asherah poles in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. So, how many times have we heard that? Right? This has got to be the tenth anyway that, that he said to do that. I was thinking as we were reading, as I was reading this today that uh, could, let's see, today we don't really, I mean there's some of this that goes on I suppose. There's some you know, foreign God worship. I mean, I remember there's this in this one video that we've watched a lot. Uh, the way you know they, they interview this uh, pagan worshiper, and she talks about all the Norse gods and these different gods, and how she worships this pagan god and that pagan god. Of course, um, but that you know, there's there's not a lot of those people. Um, of course, there's one glaring example. I guess my point is is are there is that happening today? Does that apply today? Yeah. Don? There's a recent one. Somebody placed a phallic symbol at the top of a mountain in the Alps. Recently. Recently. It's like, I don't know, six feet tall. Somebody slept this thing up there and put it up there. <laughs> kind of idiotic. What, what were you going to say, Barb? You want to elaborate on, on yeah, we do? <laughs> Just a second. No, I, th I think there are, you know, in your example, you know, I think there's cults all, o all over the world yeah. that do that in different things. You've got the Satanists here. They, I mean, they worship Satan. Yeah. You, yeah. There's all kinds. I mean, too many to name, but yeah, it's still prevalent. Yeah. Okay. Paul? Oh. I think a lot of traditions of, of Christianity that are not... <laughs> Biblical. Yeah, yeah you could you could make I an e, argument that I a Christmas e, the Christmas, a, the, yeah, yeah. the Easter bunny, the Halloween yeah. stuff. Christmas tree is a the yeah, the Christmas tree. Not only that, it's 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 not at the time where Yahweh specified. Yeah. Well I was yeah. gonna say that's yeah. one of the things yeah. these, these are instructions for the Israelites when they go into the land. Yeah. But right. it certainly shows how he feels about the worship of other gods. Yeah. And the interesting thing, so much of it is couched as either worship of the Christian God or either not worship at all. Like uh, if you look at the Ovalis and where it's found in different parts of the world as just a monument or a yeah, statue. Yeah. So it's creeped into everything, including some of the currency and some of the sure. things. So uh, is it prominent? Yes. Is it? set up as a sign of worship 
Well, that can be discussed it's, at another it's, time. It's kind of deceptive in a way. That was really the kind of point I was going to make. I think there's a lot of this that still goes on today, but it's, it's hidden. It's masqueraded as something else. What are you thinking about the Thanksgiving celebration? It's because people is, some people read the Torah, they start posting in Facebook. It's the same they celebrate Easter, Christmas, Halloween. I, my opinion is that Thanksgiving is probably the only reasonable holiday we have in that it's not, it doesn't claim to be for a biblical purpose. It simply is thanks, you know, a, a time to give thanks to God. I, to me, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it's, it's not appropriate to think that's okay and then to ignore the ones he's written in the Torah. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I don't think there's anything wrong with a plain, to me, of all the holidays we celebrate in this society, that's probably the one that makes the most sense. That's what I think, because when I read the story, when I learned the story about Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. where the people give the thanks to Lord because they be suffering a lot of uh, snowing things and yeah. and they be helpful be, be helpful for the native american people and they give it thanks for that and i remember the first time when i know that one and i say i need to say thanks too because a lot of the trouble i have and everything happened to me uh, for me it's a good day but uh, i want to know because people start dealing is is another well they they lump it together with christmas and I object to that. You know, Christmas, we all know the pagan roots of Christmas, but Thanksgiving is a, is a uh, holiday that's been invented, if you will, in this country by the people a couple hundred years ago. And it has, I don't think it's about the worship of anything other than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you're just thanking him for, like I say, making it through. For the good things. Okay, thank that's you. That's my opinion. I would add Independence Day myself as well. But You'd what? Add Independence Day myself. Okay. I'll go for that. We could talk, debate the relationship. Go ahead. Um, I think a lot of uh, worship has to do with personality because mm -hmm. we, we worship as a people, you know, movie stars, uh, oh, yeah. musicians, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sports guys, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, personally, I love sports. I love music. Yep. But, man, some of, these, uh, some of these musicians that, you know, I mean, in the past, I would, I mean, literally idolize. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to, like, break yourself of the habit yeah, yeah. of, like, you know, this is just a person, you know. Yeah. He's not a god. Yeah, he's, and, he's but I agree with John too. I, I would say Independence Day is one of those holidays okay. that uh, okay. I, I think it's like, uh, well, we're going to celebrate um, with Hanukkah, yeah. and that's not a biblical holiday, well, it's, it's not, but it is a Jewish I holiday. Call it the, yeah, I always call the, the biblical holidays for me are the seven in Torah, but there are two others that have been added as tradition. One of them, of course, is Purim that has been, it's based on the book of Esther. And the other is uh, Hanukkah, which is based on the book of Maccabees, which isn't even included in most Bibles. So those are clearly of a second order compared to the seven that are defined in the Torah. Uh, does it mean they're bad? No. You know, celebrating them is fine. I think Thanksgiving is, is in that category. That's my opinion. And, and, and Independence Day. Like I say, not so Christmas. 
because Christmas has clearly got pagan roots. <laughs> um, talk about idolizing. <laughs> My ex-husband used to love football. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I would tell him, okay, it's the major gods are on, and then you got the minor gods, you know, you got the the college, <laughs> the college and the <laughs> major the, guys, yeah, okay, it. they've, and, and really, you're driving the 101 where the stadium is, yeah. and you can see the temple, and during the game day, you can see the crowds yeah. going there, yeah. and I think of it as the worship, and, and there's some guys that have, you know, they got the, they got the man cave, and they've yeah. got all the, if, all it, the stuff if, that goes yeah. with the sports team, and, uh, yeah. uh and that's what it is. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, to some degree, yeah. you, you'd hate to you'd hate to take all the fun out of life, yeah. so to speak. But on the other hand, that's over the top. Well, it's also fanatic. And, and also, when you go to a game, you may not even like the game. Like, I used to go with them. With, I'd have the beer and the hot dog and, then, uh, and watch the band during the halftime, and I'm ready to go home. Uh, and But... It kind of drives yeah, you, you into swept the up cheering. In it. Yeah. Yeah, you get swept you up. Get and swept I think up that's, and you cheer. And it's like, I think that's part of what God's warning and it, about. It, it sweeps yeah. you in there. And I think the thing with, um, uh, like, even Thanksgiving, originally, yes, it was meant to be a thanks, but now it's more of a celebration of, a, of the bird. Well, heck, it's a yeah. celebration of yeah. Black Friday. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it's <laughs> commercialism and all yeah. this other junk. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. But right. not only that, but I think as long as people are doing that, it's going to be very hard for them to observe Yahweh's feast. Here, here, and that's exactly because what the they've already wants. they've already got a substitute. Yeah, it's, it's exactly it's what a the substitute. So, so anyway, well, uh, what I was going to get at with some of this is that the it's clear that these pagan gods in this culture at this time were worshipped in lots of different places in lots of different ways, and some of the ways were very offensive to God. Now, how was his prescribed worship to be different? According to this. This is kind of the first time we come across this one concept. You want to, to say something, John? Well, I'm answering your question. Yep. It's to do it the way he tells you to do it and where he tells you to do it, yep. where he places his name. Yep. He says, I'm gonna, I don't want you doing it everywhere like the inhabitants of the land you're going to take over. I'm going to put my name on a place, and you're to worship me there. Of course, what's that place? Jerusalem. Now, at this time, of course, Jerusalem was pretty much nothing. It was... Uh, Salt Lake City. Beg oh, pardon? Salt Lake City? <laughs> it was uh, inhabited by uh, one oh. of the Canaanite tribes called the Jebusites. And it was, like I say, pretty much nothing. Um, so the reason it doesn't say Jerusalem is because nobody would have known what Jerusalem was. He says, I'll show you, when you get in the land, I'll show you the place that I want to, I want to live. I want you to. I want to put my name on. Okay, um, and it talks about from one of your tribes. Does anybody know what tribes land Jerusalem sits in? Benjamin. It's not Judah. It's Benjamin. Yeah. It's close to Judah, but it's very close. But yeah, it's Benjamin. Um, let's see. What? Um, then he gets into this uh, big thing about. Um, uh, when you sacrifice, um, I don't want you to do it 
the way you've been doing it, the way we've been doing it, the way the pagans do it, which is any, anywhere you want to, right? What's he say here? Let me see if I can find a... Uh, well, let's see. Verse 8. You are not to do as we do here today, everyone as he sees fit, since you have not yet reached the resting place and the inheritance that Yahweh your God is giving you. But you will cross the Jordan and settle in the land that Yahweh your God is giving you as an inheritance, and he will, and he will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you will live in safety. Then to the place that Yahweh your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, there you are to bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, and all the choice possessions that you have vowed to Yahweh. And there rejoice before Yahweh your God, your sons and daughters, your men servant, maidservants, and the Levites from your towns who have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings anywhere you please. Offer them only at the place that Yahweh will choose in one of your tribes, and there observe everything I command you. So what do you, why do you, that, that's different, right? That's a little different than the, uh, some of the pagan gods, certainly than the Canaanite gods. Oh, why do you suppose God chose to do it that way? What, what, what are some advantages of doing that? Yeah, unification? What'd you call it? Unity? Unity, yeah. There will be, there won't be any, um, it won't fracture. You know, there won't be, uh, well, there won't be a bunch of what we have in churches today. Well, you know, I go to that church because I like it better than this one over here. You know, God says this, when you sacrifice to me, you're to go one place. Now, he goes on and talks about some stuff that, for extenuating circumstances, but it, the worship of him happens at one place. Um, and also, I thought it was interesting. So this implies he's talking about the, the Moedims. Yes. That's, yes. It isn't just, I want to kill a whatever, no, a calf. No, in, in terms or, of sacrificing, or, that's true. Right. It, it implies, uh, we will learn, of course, that they typically did this at, the, uh, at Sukkot. And they would bring their uh, tithe for the year to Jerusalem for Sukkot. We're going to come to a paragraph down here where it says, if it's too far and God's blessed you too much, you can sell your tithe and bring the money to Jerusalem and use that. But I think it's, one of the things that struck me this time was uh, this idea of rejoice. You're supposed to bring this, offer it to God, and rejoice. I mean, I hate to be maybe blunt, but it's kind of like have a party. Come celebrate. Come put on, celebrate. Put on a happy face. Yeah, yeah. Come, yeah, be happy. The, uh, the tent and, and whatever else you vowed, you're supposed to present to him uh, with an attitude of joy. Shouldn't, you know, that's kind of a neat thought. But it goes on. This was, go ahead, Paul, do you have something? Can you expound on uh, uh, verse 22? Um, oh, I, I, I thought you read that. I thought you read that. Can you no. read that? No. Oh, sorry. I That's okay. That no. happens a lot around here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you said it. Um, verse 15 goes on to say, Nevertheless, you may slaughter your animals... Um, 
in any of your towns and eat as much of the meat as you want as if it were a gazelle or a deer according to the blessing that Yahweh your God has given you. Now, so he's showing a big distinction. Oh, 15? Oh, that's exactly where I'm at. Okay. So it's a big distinction between butchering an animal to eat versus offering an animal for sacrifice. And that's, that's an important point because uh, it usually comes up when we're reading Leviticus uh, where, you know, it talks about how animals are to be sacrificed and how you're supposed to eat them and all this kind of stuff. And, and the question comes up, well, does that mean that you're not supposed to eat any meat that wasn't sacrificed? And this answers that question. Yes, you can eat meat that wasn't sacrificed. Just make sure that you don't consider it a sacrifice. Don't offer it to God. You know, uh, butcher it, if you will excuse the word, so that you can eat it. And, and he even goes on there somewhere, he says, you know, uh, if, you, if you want meat, fine. If you, you know, you'll have plenty of it because I'm going to bless you if you're obedient. So, you know, get what you want and have it. So just, that's not an offering to me. The offerings to me occur in the place that I'm going to put my name. I just think that's an interesting point to remember. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, this, is, this gets real repetitive. Then what's the one thing that, no matter what you eat, you have to do? Drain the blood. Don't eat the blood. And God has made that point umpteen times in the Torah, right? It isn't just drain it, but... Don't eat it. Put it on the ground. You put it on the ground. Marvin's right. got something. Don't skip over the last part of 15. Let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, both the ceremonial, the unclean, and the clean may eat it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what he means. Yeah, it says, which he has given you the, the unclean and the clean, you may eat thereof. Oh, he's talking about the people that eat it. See, oh, the in the, in the, in, back in Leviticus, only oh, ceremonial okay. clean, ceremonially clean people may eat of sacrifices. Gotcha, gotcha. But okay. this, this, it wasn't saying you could eat unclean food. But good, good try. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just. It's sort of like, how, how do you eat pig? Well, if you kill it with kosher, it's okay. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Flat nose. So it says. Question. Yes. Are, are we to assume from the scripture that gazelle and deer are clean animals to eat? Uh -huh. Okay. And the reason, why would they be clean? They have cloven hooves and they ruminate. They chew the cud. Yeah. So, that's, so we're going to get to a review of that in a minute, too. But the, no. The def Well, I suppose you could. That's a good question. But um, that's, they're not listed as the... Approved sacrifice. Well, in Leviticus, in, oh, it doesn't know. Approved sacrifices. I, that's right. That's a good question. Um, food, clean food, is anything with cloven hooves that ruminate. Okay? Sacrifices are from the herds and the flocks. So, so there is a little difference there. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's what he's saying. He said, "If yeah, if you want some, some meat to eat, um, slaughter your lamb or whatever like it was a deer or a gazelle. 
Don't slaughter it like you're offering it as a sacrifice to God. That's, but that's a good catch, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out some of these names, but. Is that the definition of ruminant? A ruminant? A ruminant is chewing the cud. It's not, not rudiment. Ruminant. How do you spell it? R-U-M-I-N-A-N-T. Ruminant. And it means an animal that chews the cud. Animals that chew the cud do that because they live almost entirely on grass or vegetation, and they have to, they have to use oh, you're right. stomach. You're right. So they, the first stomach does the first stage of digestion, and then they kind of upchuck, but don't spit it out and chew it some more and goes into the next stomach. Cows, for example, have four stomachs. Yeah. I remember one of the, this, I shouldn't do this, but I can't help it. Uh, we lived in Las Cruces where there's a veterinary school. And veterinary school would have open house every now and then. We go out there and they have these cows that have been surgically modified with a big honker hole in their side, a big cork that sticks in it. And you can take the cork out and you're looking in that first stomach. And you can see the, the hay running around in there. And I thought that was just the coolest thing I had ever seen. Turned out they had half a dozen. Turns out every veterinary school in the whole country has those. So I just thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. They're out there chewing, eating hay, and you'd watch it. They'd swallow it, and they'd be sitting there running around. And then they keep the corks in there most of the time, which I'm sure you'd want to do. But cows don't seem to mind. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I thought that was funny. That's where I learned about ruminants. Us, all us city slickers, we have a clue what a ruminant is, right? Anyway, that was definite sidetrack. What else did we cover there in that paragraph? Let me see if I got anything here. Okay. Um, let's go on if you don't have any other questions. Oh, it's, it's talking about the Levites. Um, it's important. It says, verse 18. Um, let's see, I'll go back to 17. You must not eat in your own towns the tithe of your grain and new wine and oil or the firstborn of your herds or flocks or whatever you have vowed to give or your free will offerings or special gifts. Instead, you are to eat them in the presence of Yahweh your God at the place that your God will choose. You, your sons and daughters and maidservants, etc. And you are to rejoice before the Lord your God in everything you put your hand to. Be careful not to neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. Well, that's not exactly where I meant to show you that, but the, the thing about the Levites is you know, the Levites are the entire tribe, right? There's the priesthood, which is uh, part of Kohath, which is a clan, right? And the Levites exist throughout the entire country and nation of Israel. There's a the vast majority of them live in Jerusalem where they can manage the temple, operate the temple. But there's other uh, Levites surround, you know, throughout the, throughout the, the uh, nation of Israel. And actually, they, would have, they had a rotating thing. They had a calendar where, uh, I don't remember what it was, a few months a year or something like that. They would spend in rotation in Jerusalem working with the rest of the Levites, and then they'd go back to their to their separate houses. But the Levites that didn't live in Jerusalem would live out in the rest of the country, and this was addressed essentially to them. Uh, 
be careful not to neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. So we're going to talk some more about that. But you, they had a responsibility to take care of the Levites that lived away from Jerusalem. Yeah. I would, I would assume that the majority of the Levites lived in the Levitical cities. No, probably. I, I don't know this. but Well, there was 46 of them, and, they're, and if they're doing judicial, yep. administrative yep. type stuff, yep. unless they have a stupid model like we do in this country where all the money goes to Washington, D.C., and all the decisions are done there. Sorry, I got a little political there. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I, I, you know, I don't know all the details, but I do know that the, the Levites existed. There are plenty of them outside the, of Jerusalem, and they're this... We're coming to some parts here in this chapter where it talks about our responsibility, to, their responsibility to take care of them. Okay, uh, I understand when they say don't be neglect with the Levites because uh, Levites don't have uh, their own land. Yeah. And they need a, I know when the people have uh, farms and they give you the, the fierce, uh, you know, the fierce they collecting for the fields, yeah. the olive, the... First fruit the grains and everything is go to the Levites because they supporting the Levites. Levites don't have their own land to grow anything. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But you're exactly right. Okay. But it talks about, about those. In general, that goes to Jerusalem. But not all of it. Not all the time. And we'll come to exactly the rule here in just a few minutes. Because for me, Levites is, is like a widows and orphans. You know, they need a well, support. Like thing. I say, that's going to come up in just, oh, okay. just a couple of seconds. Thank you. Matter of fact, does somebody want to read from verse 20 down to the end of the chapter? Go for it. When Jehovah thy God shall enlarge thy border as he has promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul desires to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh after the, the desire of thy soul in the place which Jehovah your God shall choose. To put his name there, be too far from thee, um, then thou shalt kill of the herd and of the flock which Jehovah hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, and thou may eat within thy gates after all the desire of thy soul, even as the, even as the gazelle and as the heart ha is eaten. So thou shalt eat therefore. The unclean and the clean may eat thereof alike. Only be sure thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou shalt not eat the life in the flesh. Thou shalt not eat it. Thou shalt pour it out upon the earth as water. Thou shalt not eat it, that it may go well with thee. And with thy children after thee, with thou, thou shalt do, which is right in the eyes of Jehovah. Only the holy things which thou hast... And thou vows, thou shalt take, and go unto the place which Jehovah shall choose. And thou shalt offer the burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood upon the altar of Jehovah thy God. And the blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of Jehovah thy God, and thou shalt eat the flesh. Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest which is good in the eyes of Jehovah thy God. When Jehovah thy God shall cut off the nations before thee, whether thou goest into depossess them or thou depossessest them, 
and dwelleth in their land, thou take heed thyself, that thou not be ensnared to follow them, after that which they are destroyed from before thee, that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their god? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto Jehovah thy God. For every abomination to Jehovah, which he hath, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters do they burn in the fire to their gods. Whatever, what things soever I command you, that shall ye observe to do. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Okay, that's good. Um, back at the beginning of when you started reading, it was uh, stuff that we kind of already talked about. And this it goes back over and says, whenever you want meat, you say, I'd like some meat, you can have as much meat as you want. Um, if the name of the place where God chooses to put his name is too far away from you, then you can slaughter the animals from the herds and the flocks, as I commanded you, and in your towns, and eat as much of them as you want. Eat them as you would a gazelle or deer, both the ceremonially clean and unclean may eat, but be sure you do not eat the blood, because the blood is the life, and you must not eat the life with the meat. You must not eat the blood, pour it out on the ground, and do not eat it, so that it may go well with you and your children after you. So that, that again explains that's, that's the way that's the way you have a ham, uh, not ham sandwich. Excuse me, there was a slip if I ever heard one. That's the way you have a pork chop. Nope, wrong one again. Lamb chop at home. You know, you can, you can sacrifice, or you can kill the animal, pour the blood out on the ground, cut it up, and eat it. Yeah, cook it. That's these two times where I was talking about make sure that the blood is poured out on the ground. Yes. It's almost like there's a connection, mm -hmm. a currency connection. Mm -hmm. And I'm reminded of uh, Abel, whose blood was poured out on the ground, and it cried out to Yahweh. Yeah. God so, says, your brother's blood cries out to me. Right. Yep. It just seems like there's a, a, a currency, current connection. It's kind yeah. of... Well, I agree. And not only that, but then it's, you can contrast that with what happens to the blood of the animals that are killed in Jerusalem as part of the worship. Because that blood, while it is yet still poured out on the ground, is also poured out on the altar, right? It's, it's part of the worship. And I think from God's perspective, he says it real clearly here. He says, the life is in the blood. And you're not to eat the life. The life belongs to God. So you either pour it out on the ground or you use it uh, in your worship stuff, but you don't eat it. So w when you go to execute someone, you throw rocks at him until he's dead, and he bleeds, and his, his blood goes to the ground. Yeah. So you don't hang him. It is, there's no provision for hanging. Now, maybe this is a technical point, mm -hmm. but a proper execution is the blood has to go to the ground. That's a fair point. And, uh, um, question. When, when they took a sacrifice, didn't they have like a little um, uh, crate or something that they put the animal in? And then the person that was offering actually had to do the, the killing. I don't know about that. that you could be right. I, I don't know. But I understood I that there's, there's, a John, technique, you know? there's a technique to 
dispatching an animal in the way that God would like it done. And it has to do with having a very sharp knife and starting at one side and going clear across. And I would think that, now an experienced farmer, rancher, would know how to do that. But in general, I think that's not a technique that they're going to want to let just anybody do. You may be right, and I might be wrong, but I thought that the priest did that. Yeah, I don't know for sure. But it must have been it must have been a bloody oh yes. a bloody oh, yes. thing That's, like a butcher shop oh, at, yeah. at the temple and you know? yeah yeah I, that it floors me you know yeah. like I say that's one of the things one of the big this is me personally one of the big struggles I have with this the whole thing and all that stuff in Leviticus is it just I mean we can sit here and talk about it and we can even discuss the finer details but I have never experienced anything like that. And I, I'm quite sure that it would be rather shocking to my system, if you will. So yeah. it, it's a big deal. Well, not only that, uh, when I first started studying, um, the, one of the guys that I studied with, uh, Jake Meyer, said he worked in a butcher shop. And he said that's one of the reasons why you only had able-bodied men up to a certain age that were doing the job in the or the work of the of the temple of mm-hmm. you know all the sacrificing yeah. so there's a big deal. it's a it's a heavy job you know carrying those carcasses around carrying the big yep. basins bloody basins to yep. Yep. and i guess they have to maybe haul them out did they have to haul them out i would oh, think that yeah well a lot those, especially the, the, the best one the one that yeah. would be the easiest is the whole burnt offering yeah right because although you did have to clean it you know you had to yeah. kind of clean out the awful, as they yeah. call it. Uh, but the thing, you burnt the whole thing up. So that wasn't so bad. But then when you butchered it, I mean, the the one that, that again, that strikes me as different is the fellowship offering, the peace offering, yeah. the, that one. Because that one, the offerer got to share in the eating. And so there was, I honestly think it was kind of like a barbecue. It was supposed yeah. to be a, 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 a joyful occasion. And so... The, this is the way I understand it. The, the priest would do that. They, he was the one that would literally butcher the animal you know, and divide it up because there were specific parts that were de- defined to be his. But they would cook the whole thing and they would eat it. And so if it was like, like you know, a big old honker bull, the guy could invite half the neighborhood. You know? And so the offerer could throw a big party. Well, that, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's kind of the way it sits in my mind. So I've done about four or so of the Passover lambs. Uh-huh. It didn't seem to bother me too much, but there's an interesting video on Swedish permaculture, I think something like that, guy I follow, and he's doing turkeys. And he's talking about how, uh, you know, he's raising turkeys for, for Thanksgiving. So this is a recent one. And he's just going through the life of a turkey, you know. There's another video, the video that the guy says, you know, when I raise my chickens and my birds and all that, I want them to have every, every day be an awesome day. I just want them to have one bad day. <laughs> so when this guy did this turkey, he just grabs the turkey. They put it in this, it looks like, you know, those orange cones when you have yeah, yeah. a yeah. upside down one of those with the, Bottom part, he just they drop him in there, and the head sticks out. And his head sticks out, and he's got this leg. He just like all walking by, like he isn't even thinking about it. Yeah. And, you know, it it bleeds and it does its little. Yeah. 
last little, well, it's not dancing because it's in this cone. It doesn't got anywhere to go. It just kind of, you know, yeah. does the shutter at the end of his life. Yeah. And then he, you know, he takes it out and he washes it in this, in this thing. He goes through the whole thing. It's like, yeah. you know, if you did it two or three times. Yeah, you'd be all right. I, you'd be like, okay. You know. yeah. Now, the guy's obviously out in the middle of the northern, you know, where Dan is or something or where he ended up. They have to do this stuff because they're not doing that. Not for the not for the sacrifice, but just I want to have meat tonight. They yeah. they got to know how to do this. Yeah, yeah, yep. They got to know how to do this. Well, I say any farmer would know how to do it. Right. We sure have fun discussions, don't we? Let's see. Is there anything else in this section we ought to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I do. Toward the end of the section we just read. Um, I'm going to start in verse 29. Yahweh your God will cut off before you the nations you are about to invade and dispossess. But when you have driven them out and settled in their land, and after they have been destroyed before you, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. You must not worship Yahweh your God in their way. Because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things that Yahweh hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. So he's basically saying, I mean, you know, again, this has got to be the umpteenth time God has said, don't do anything that the pagans do. You know, yeah, don't even ask how they do it. Just do what I'm telling you. Don't have anything to do with it. They, he says things like, don't even have their names on your lips. You know? you know, in this day, many people, uh, uh, when they have a party in San Pasaway, they burn the bodies because it's cheaper to make a ashes than to bury it in the, in, the, in, the, in, the ground. in the ground because the ground is around 22,000, a little piece of land. And for it's only for a one body. You know, it's, yeah. it's expensive now to buy a little portion of ground to bury somewhere, somebody, but the people are still Christian ignore, ignoring this part because they burn the, the, the bodies. And well, this is talking about something different. This is what it basically says. It says... They burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices. And sacrifices. That's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. But uh, you know, when you put it, you're still disobeying well, without don't offer into the I'm the not goodness. sure about that. I, I, don't think, I don't think that, that you can apply this to that. I, mm. I'm not sure I don't agree with you in general, but I don't think that you can apply this to that. No. Because what this is, this is specifically referring to that one detestable God, I think it was Molech. Molech. Where they would, they would literally bring their kids and offer them. You know, and that's, that's got to be, yeah. that's gotta be the, one of the more satanic things you've ever seen. Um, I think that the cremation, the cremation at death is not like an offering... To, no. to idols. No. Um, that's why I say. And that's a, in the cremation, in the cremation process, what it is is just a very rapid decay it's, because yeah. that's what a fire is. Sure, it's, versus a very slow decay, and they get the bones, and the bones are just crushed. So, 
In the I, end, I, in the end, your 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 remains your are the bones. The bones are yeah. still the life is gone. The either life, way. right? Yeah, right. I agree. But the remains are still the bones. But I'm not sure I want to go too far down that path. Yeah. No, but what I'm what I'm just saying, a lot of people don't know. I didn't know that's what cremation was. Yeah. And what's in the? Yeah. You figure what's in the little well, in the little urn? You know, it's the, the other thing you can ask. Yeah. So, so how about? <laughs> embalming somebody putting a bunch of preservatives well, that's in their the other body one. Yeah. So, they'll, so they'll look kind of halfway decent for the next thousand years for the viewing yeah yeah I don't or for the viewing either, so. and whatever <laughs> makes for scary movies yeah. <laughs> okay let's move on is there anything else before we leave chapter 12 just one thing one in the thing. hebrew bible it. the verses are offset okay Chapter 13 starts in verse 32. Oh, really? FYI. Oh, that's a good one. So, so if you had a chumash from this forward on forward, they're all off by one. One verse. Okay, fine. Good. Lisa's not here. <laughs> the... That's, that's like if you had a chumash, you know what a chumash is? Chumash is, it's a Hebrew word that means five something it's got to do with five but it's their it's the, their literal translation of the hebrew um torah and it's got the hebrew torah and their english translation written like this together, stones think. edition is probably one of the most yeah. popular ones yeah. so they the the obviously the the verse chapter names are different yeah but the numbers you know 98.5 percent of the times they're the same but sometimes they're, they're off, off. they yeah. get just to but, mess things up a little bit Okay, chapter 13. Let's see, chapter 13 is not very long, and it's going to introduce things that we've already talked about. It's not going to introduce, it's going to rehash things that we've already talked about. But let's read it anyway, because God must want us to think about it again. Okay? Does somebody want to read from chapter, chapter 13? It's all of its 18 verses. You want? You'll read it. Okay. Okay, that'd be good. I, I, don't, I don't miss those. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it was American Standard Version. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let's go after other gods which you have not known, and let's serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or to that dreamer of dreams, for Jehovah your God is testing you to know whether you love Jehovah your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after Jehovah your God, fear him, keep his commandments, and obey his voice. You shall serve him and cling to him. That prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken rebellion against Jehovah your God, who has brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to draw you aside out of the way to which Jehovah your God commanded you to walk. So you shall remove the evil from among you. If your brother, the son of your mother, or, you, or your son or your daughter, or the wife of your bosom, or the friend who is, a, as, is as your own soul entices you secretly, saying, let's go and serve other gods which you have not known, nor your fathers of the gods of these people who you are around near to you, are far off from you, from the one end of the earth even to the other end of the earth. You shall not consent to him nor listen to him, neither shall your eye pity him. 
neither shall you spare, neither shall you conceal him. You shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be the first on him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he has sought to draw you away from Jehovah your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. All Israel shall hear and fear, shall, and shall not do any more wickedness like this among you. If you hear about one of your cities, which Jehovah your God gives you to dwell there, that certain wicked fellows have gone out from among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let's go and serve other gods, which you have not known. Then you shall inquire, investigate, and ask diligently. Behold, if it is true and the thing certain that such abomination was done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, the sword destroying it utterly with all, with all that therein and its livestock and the, with the edge of the sword. You shall gather all its plunder in the middle of its streets and shall burn it with fire, the, shall burn with fire the city with all its plunder to Jehovah your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. Nothing of the devoted thing shall cling to your hand that Jehovah may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy and have compassion on you and multiply you as he has sworn to your fathers. When you listen to Jehovah your God's voice to keep all his commandments, which I have commanded you today, which I command you today to do that, which is right in the eyes of Jehovah your God. Okay, thank you. Um, well, this is kind of a blunt chapter, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it just, okay. So it starts off, it says, uh, what would, well, I'll just ask, what was to be done with a prophet who sought to lead the people to worship other gods? You're not to fear him. You do not fear him, right? You're not fear him and you kill him. You, yeah, you stone him. So, yes. So it kind of tells you what a prophet is by implication. It isn't somebody who says, well, God told me who's going to win the next Kentucky Derby, right? Yeah, I yeah. look into the future, and I know what's going to happen. It's talking about not doing the commandments of Yah. So it's, in a way, he's, he's got the, the function of, an, of a teacher, mm-hmm. right? So what does antinomian Christianity speak when they give you the, their testimony of Jesus? The Torah's been done away with. Yeah. So if, they're, if, the, if the Jews are following the Torah, and that is an accurate acknowledgement of what, they, of what the Jews say, or antinomian Christians say happened, then they have no guilt about killing him. But, of course, we know that's not what he said. But the testimony of antinomian Christianity is, you're telling me a false prophet flat out, and we're not going to, our ears are we're not hearing anymore. Yeah. I don't care what you say about all the wonderful things he does. According to your testimony, he, we're to ignore him. We're to ignore you. Mm-hmm. Does that well, make sense? Well, it does. Um, I, I, I follow what you're saying, I think. But the thing that uh, I was kind of struggling with is the, the thing, the prophet, or this guy that, that uh, God's warning them against, says to them, quote, let us go follow other gods. 
right? Now, he's not saying, let's disobey the Torah. He's saying, let us go follow, follow other gods. I mean, he's literally saying, let's go worship somebody different than the God that gave us the Torah. Now, that would, being disobedient to the Torah would follow. But I mean, well, this I, is wholesale sellout, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's clearly, if I go and follow another God, by definition, I'm not doing the Torah, I would yes. say. Yeah, I agree with that. But I guess the, the, if you just read the text here, if that's, if that's a good translation, then what um, my question is, it's uh, like, who would fall for this? I mean, why would anybody do this? If you were in Israel and, you know, you were in the country that God gave you, you were on the land that God gave you, and, you know, theoretically you're doing pretty good, I don't care who it was that came up, if they said, quote, let's go follow other gods, why would you do that? Well, they might package it and market it a little bit better than well, that. Yeah, they probably would. As a matter of fact, that's my point. It might uh, be slowly, slowly kind of a thing. Yeah. We'll just dabble at the beginning. Yep. I think as generations pass, it becomes a lot easier. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Paul's got something. Well, oh, oh, one of the ways that a lot of civilizations judge whether or not they were serving a god or a, the right god was whether they had won battles and victory, whether signs that were prophesied came to pass, and then they see all this, you know, we have wealth. So it was a different kind of prosperity message. We have wealth, we're doing well, uh, we defeated these kings, so therefore our God is the right God or is the bigger God or the best God. And so looking at that, if they're living in among these people, and they lose a battle or they win a battle, then the question that a lot of them would ask is, what did we do wrong? Mm -hmm. Is yeah. God listening to us or are we serving God correctly? So if a prophet, like it says, if it comes to pass, mm -hmm. so okay. whatever he said comes true, now it's kind of like, oh, there's a little bit of doubt here because he said this was going to happen and it happened. Yeah, I mean, like I say, when I ask these questions, uh, I don't know the answers. Uh, Wanda has something behind you. She what? There's no one behind you. What? <laughs> Not to bring up a sore subject, uh -huh. but would the the Greek Jesus mm -hmm. qualify? What? That's exactly what. It, yeah, I think uh, definitely so. Um, as a matter of fact, that's the big problem I have with Islam, because they'd like you to think that uh, it's well, it's all the same God. Well, it is not. <laughs> this this God is very particular. You know, go ahead, John. I like what Paul says. I, I think I, I got what he was saying, and, and it's an important point. Even if this prophet does has a really great magic show, mm -hmm. if he's not telling, if he's telling you to not do the Torah, off of his head. Yep. That's the ultimate. Yeah. It's his ultimate demise. Yeah. Is that what you were getting to, Paul? Because the scripture says, if he says something and it comes to pass, yeah. doesn't matter whether it comes true or not. The point is, if he's enticing you to go after yep, other gods. That's the point. And so, you know, a lot of people judge whether or not they have something by what their experiences. You, you talk to a lot of people in Christianism or different religions, they'll tell you about their experience. It's powerful experience that I had. Or this man of God came and he said, this was going to happen to me, and it happened. So therefore, I believe. Well, they're saying here, you know, that can happen. Yeah, whereas, yeah. But that doesn't mean anything if he's enticing you to go after another God. Yep, yep. The standard is the Torah. The standard is the Torah. 
You know the question she said, the Greek Jesus. I know the history in Spain. You know, people kill uh, a synagogue, the Hebrew people, and the name of Jesus. They fire them yeah, in yeah. the name of Jesus. I want to know what kind of Jesus is this God. Because I learned Jesus is the Savior and everything. And now I know it's, it's not the right name. Yeah. And I worship uh, supposedly the, uh, the God, I suppose it's a God, but uh, um, I know because they teach me that. And my daughter is still in this thing. She don't get out yet. The, the situation I told, okay, we learned Torah now. We know the, the real name. We need a get back the name we learn it but uh, it's not easy for her no no you know oh, i understand yeah. and 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 for me and i have a and i make a deal with her you come in saturday with me here and i go sunday with you there but uh i, I pray and i asking you please pray for her because i want to cap you know yeah, the whole sure. thing because I uh, somebody told me you make adultery now because you know the real name and you're still in the old name you learning before, but uh, I asking him mercy for my daughter, for well, my family, because they're Christian. And we can have we can have faith that God hears your prayer. I mean, you know, some people take a long time. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, if you can be honest enough with the word, I mean, and really look at it here, you gotta. There's not many. There's no middle ground. When I say that the Greek Jesus or, you know. The one that did away with the Torah? The, the baby Jesus theology is another one. It's a euphemism for people who are not teaching against the Torah. Antinomian Christianity, anti-Torah yeah. Christianity. It isn't, they don't know how to pronounce the name or what the Hebrew name is. Yeah. If you, if you say, I follow Yeshua and he told me it's okay to eat bacon, that doesn't work. It's not, do you know the name? It's, are you following the commandments? Are you using it? And you know, the thing that surprises me about that, and I remember one time actually kind of being a little embarrassed about how many times it says that in the New Testament. And John's one of the biggest. You know, read the epistles of John. He says all the time, he says, they witness to Yeshua and they keep my commandments. That always has those two. They don't have one and not the other. They have both. Well, I, the thing that Ralphie brought up on the in-depth study in Matthew 16 where it talks about the wicked generation is only going to get one sign, and even that I argue they mess up yeah. because it says three days and three nights. Yeah, they well, can't count. They, they, yeah. they can't count. They literally can't count the three. Well, you know, when Lucia was talking, one of the things that occurs to me is this is a real common problem, and... I like to think that we don't do that here, but it's that you listen to some guy. Don't listen to some guy because they'll lead you down the wrong path and not necessarily maliciously. It's because they've been to cemetery and they've been taught this. You know, you, you have here what you need to determine whether or not God, it's godly or not. But it's you, up to you to study it and use yeah, your you brain and have critical thinking, basic yeah. critical thinking skills to figure out and don't how, how to not listen to these guys. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid to, uh, to realize that you can do this. God will do this with you if you, you know. Well, he says, um, he rewards those who diligently seek him. That's what this is. That's what we're doing. We're diligently seeking him. At least I, I hope we're not doing I hope we're not listening to me. I don't have that much to say anyway.
Um, okay, he goes on. Uh, about the, the thing is, the thing that was so clear to me is what you have to do to this guy. You know, I think it's like you say, they could be much more subtle about let's go worship these other gods. But you brought up a good point whenever one of them could say, wow, look at the, look at the size of the houses in this town we've just conquered. We should see what God these guys were worshiping and maybe kind of check that out a little bit. You know, so they, they may not be as blunt as, as what it says here. But the point being, anytime anybody suggests that you go investigate how somebody else, how the pagans worship their God, boy, man, I don't ever want to be that guy. <laughs> Paul? I think I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. Let's see. I wonder about anything else. I get off on the weed pretty quick. It says you got to do this even if it's your wife that you love, your kids, whatever. Why did he say that uh, that this needed to be done? Why did these people, and in the case of a town, the entire town be destroyed? Why was that necessary? Where Where is that at? Well, I was the, town, for that. the town is verses 12 through the end of the chapter. If you hear it said about one of the towns that Yahweh your God is giving you to live in, that wicked men have arisen among you and have led the people of the town astray, saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods that you've not known, then you must inquire, probe, and investigate thoroughly. And if it is true and has been proved that this detestable thing has been done among you, you must certainly put to the sword all who live in that town. Destroy it completely, both its people and its livestock. Gather all the plunder of the town into the middle of the public square and completely burn the town and all its plunder as a whole burnt offering to Yahweh your God. It is to remain a ruin forever, never to be rebuilt. None of those condemned things shall be found in your hands so that Yahweh will turn from his fierce anger. He will show you mercy, have compassion on you, and increase your numbers as he promised on oath to your forefathers because you obey Yahweh your God, keeping all his commands. So the key verse to, seems to me to try to figure out what the parameters are is 12, like you said. Mm -hmm. If thou shalt hear, say, in one of thy cities which Yahweh thy God hath given you to dwell there, saying, so obviously there are some cities who will say, we're not doing this pagan stuff, and some will say we are. Well, some will say, hey, that sounds like a good idea. Those guys, that, those guys that we've dispossessed had a pretty good thing going here. And so we might buy into that. That's what it's implying, right? Well, I guess I'm trying to, you know. But I didn't mean to get you off track there. You know, when I read here and they, and they say the, the city be destroyed and not rebuild again. I remember a sister told me uh, Honduras have a, a city. They have a lot of gold, a lot of planes, mines around. It's a rich city. But this city commit a lot of sin. They have a prostitution, dancing, a lot of things. Uh, and two men get out of the city to go to the other city and buy things they needed for the city. But when they come back, they, they, they hear a lot of uh, strong noise and the ears start shaking. And they're around uh, 
are on the top of the hill walking down to the city, when they see the, the ear open it and swallow the whole city, and they testify. Uh, after this happened around 50 or 60 years ago, I think. After today, nobody go that place because they are scared, because they think in the, the, the ear open again and swallow whatever. Go there and, 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 and I want to say when he say don't reveal again, mm -hmm. is don't reveal again. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened in this place. And the people testify that with the scare. With the scare, the only two people survived for the whole population there. And I say, when he is mad because we don't obey, we come in sin, he's open the ear and swallow them. Okay. Like in the days of Moses. Well, we, yeah, we saw that with uh, the rebellion. Go ahead. The, uh, who was it? Abraham? Korah. Korah's rebellion. Korah. Very good. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I, I think what the lessons are here is, like, if you look at the end of chapter 12, it says, whatever I command you, you should observe to do. You should not add nor take away from it. He's looking at pure worship. He's trying to create the pure way to approach him. Uh, when I was in Christendom, one of the things that I used to hear on a regular basis is that, you know, we would eat the meat and spit out the bones. So they could come to you, but, you know, it's kind of like the whole thing was, oh, well, just use discernment. Take what is good from it and spit out the rest. Well, the scriptures are telling us, no, you don't cling to any of it. Uh, like it says, that you're, you don't cling to it. Uh, you devote the whole thing to destruction. So you're not just going to say, well, you know, we can eat part of it. and Or we can do this. Or we could, uh, maybe well, I, we could celebrate this and weave it into the worship of Jehovah. I mean, why not? Yeah, they had some good things going. Look at that building, that temple, and whatever it is. Yeah. But it's saying, no. Devote the whole thing to destruction. Yep, I agree. It's like, yeah, you know, the one, the standard thing about Christmas is, uh, well, you know, we don't attach any of that pagan symbolism to it. You know, we've, we've, as a matter of fact, the church will tell you this. They've Christianized it, right? They've taken all these pagan practices and given them a Christian meaning. They have done that. God didn't do that. God's pretty clear he's not into that. <laughs> yeah. You asked the question, why? Mm -hmm. My thought would be so they will hear and fear mm -hmm. because a little leaven leavens the whole. Yep, I think you're exactly right. Let's see. Um, verse what? Yep, then all of Israel will hear and be afraid and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. That's like my famous phrase. Sure, I believe in capital punishment. How else are you going to teach those people? Comment. It says, and also in verse 3, it says, You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. Yahweh your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, if this situation occurs to you, you need to at least give a second thought, a second of a thought to, you don't suppose, you don't suppose God's checking out to see if I'm really faithful to him, if I'm going to be loyal. This is, this is loyalty is what it is, isn't it? You've got to be loyal to God. You can't be loyal to him if you're going to go try out some other God. <laughs> Besides, you got married to him, right? That's what my Sinai was all about. So they finally had a baby. Oh, did they? Yes. Which one? 
Derek? Sincera, no, is that right? Not fair. No, Derek and Brooke. Sarah? That's not fair because she started last. I mean, Sarah's been in labor since last week, and she's not done yet. And so Brooke joined the party here just today or yesterday, and she's done. So that's, Sarah's not happy with this, I'm sure. Sarah's married to who? Beg your pardon? Sarah's married to who? Caleb. Oh. Sarah's married to Caleb. Derek is married to Brooke. Took me a while to figure that out, by the way. Yeah. First one's the hardest. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think I think a lot of times you can take 15, 14 and 15, if you go in and choir and you find these abominations around there and you shall surely smite the inhabitants of that city. Well, we can't do that here. No, no. I mean, it's, you, no, see, I, you see people doing wrong and, and it's either uh, the criminal well, justice system will take care of it or um, Yahweh's going to take care yeah, of it yeah. or the consequences of, of the sinful act itself yeah. will get them. Well, that's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. Oh, I had a point on that, too. Is it, it does say, I'm not sure where, that we have a responsibility to, oh, I can't remember the exact wording, to call out the, to expose. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah that's so, I mean, yeah, in this day and age, you can't go around killing towns or not. If you exposed it, you'd probably be laughed out of the place or whatever, ostracized. Well, yeah, people do expose stuff and they get laughed at, yeah. but yeah. what are you going to do? But that's just a sign of how far gone we are. You had some, John, or no? Well, this is a specific instruction. I'm not trying to diminish it, but it's an instruction for them entering into the land yeah, 3,500 years out. ago. This, what this is, is this is when you go into the land and when you are doing the Torah the way you've been told, then this is what, should this occur, this is what you do. But I, I don't know of any incidents that they ever did anything close to this. As a matter of fact, it was always exactly the opposite. I mean, right in the beginning, they ended up compromising and making deals with these people and keeping them around and being deceived, all kinds of stuff. They, you know, God said, when you go in, wipe it out, totally destroy it. They didn't do that. I mean, almost from day one, they didn't do that. We studied that last Shabbat while Mark was going through Joshua. Yeah. yeah. I mean, God was, it's, this gets back to the discussion that John and I always have about predestination. God knew what was going to happen, but he sure hoped it wouldn't. <laughs> anyway. We started a little late, but I don't really want to. Uh, chapter 14, about clean and unclean food. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I think if it's okay, I'd, is there any other, we're getting ready to go to Thanksgiving. Can we just fill some air time or just uh, talk a little bit? Is there anything else you guys would like to talk about? with respect to what we're learning here and where we're headed. We're almost, you know, we're almost done. Another few weeks, we'll probably be, uh, be through with Deuteronomy, through with the Torah before the end of the year. Maybe not. Yeah. Well, I did have a question. As you were talking earlier about um, how the Torah is a blessing mm -hmm. and that your salvation is not uh, dependent on if you follow it, um, but it makes me think of, like, in our country, like, America is a truly blessed nation. Absolutely. We, I mean, we've been so blessed, you know, through, through, throughout our history. And a lot of it, I, you know, I think has to do with the fact that, you know, 
God chose to bless us and use our nation to bring the gospel around the world. But, mm -hmm. um, but it, for the most part, the Christian world of America doesn't follow. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, so yeah. How, how do you draw the line there? You know, it's just well, like... I'll tell you, this is just my opinion. I think in my lifetime, um, I've seen the... Well, the Christianity, if you will, um, the the righteous living and uh, the law, you know, keeping the law diminish almost, you know, tenfold since I was a little yeah. kid. You, know, you think like, say, in the 1800s, 1700s, whatever, that they m more followed the Torah? Absolutely. I think I, they I did. I tell you what yeah. I think they did. They taught. This was the book they used to use for school. You know, yeah. and these one-room schoolhouses, this is what they learned to read, you know. And, and reading the, the Bible was a, a common thing. People studied it. You know, they didn't study it to figure out how to get around it or to make it a, applicable to all cultures everywhere like they do today. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we had a good thing going, and we're pretty far down it. the road to losing it. <laughs> That's what I think. And it's kind of blowing we, it up. <laughs> yeah, it's just because as a society we haven't, I mean, and it's our fault. Uh, we haven't stood up when we should have stood up, and we let uh, we let the government take over. The government, to a large degree, has taken over the role of what's right and wrong of, of the Torah, right? So I would say that they are even, to a large degree, identified themselves as Israel. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, there's a, a bunch of stuff for that. Harvard University, you know, when someone pointed out, whenever they started, they had exactly two. But they had two colleges, the College of Divinity, the College of Law, right? And there was a big question about whether or not they ought to teach in Hebrew. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went on early in, this, in, in our nation's history that, uh, that indicates that we had, like you say, we had a kind of a good thing going. Uh, it, there's, in spite of Christianity's failure, if you will, God was using it. He still has. You know, he is now. And, and, and even though we like to, to kind of diss those guys in antinomian Christianity, heck, they're our brother. And if it weren't for them, most of us wouldn't be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's not like, it's not like, uh, it gives you a good feeling for how terribly, not terribly, that's a bad adjective, how wonderfully tolerant God is. He'll put up with all kinds of error. He'll put up with, you know, Real bad stuff. If he knows your heart's really after him, if you know, that's my opinion. Anyway, we'll see it. Okay, uh, about what he say, when they f they start this nation, this nation, the fundament is by the Torah because the the everything is thanks the the Lord for all the living here. But you know what you say, they. Let the let it there. Uh, give the right to the poli politics, you know, to do a lot of things here. Yeah. They they mess it up. Yeah. Everything the the fathers they make at the foundation yeah. because they pass law, the abortion, they pass law for homosexuality, yeah, yeah. they pass law for gay yeah, gay. That's, that's just in, the end. The, the problem started long before that. You know, the problem started... It's a start long when they took 
the Bible teacher of the yep. school. Yep. That's where the big mistake they well, made it. And, then, the, yeah. and the city go deep and deep and deep yep. because they prohibited children. Children have a knowledge is, is follow the Torah because they say teach the children. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the school before, but I know anymore. Only Mennonites did. I bet we're all in the same boat on that one. Yep. So it goes back again to if you fall, then there are blessings and curses. Yeah. Doesn't mean that that's your salvation. So you yeah. could have someone who doesn't even believe in the Bible, but follows the Ten Commandments or the Torah in principle and be blessed because of it. But that doesn't mean that they're say, you know, they, they have exactly salvation. Right. That's so, exactly you know, right. so when we start looking at whether we talk about a nation or a country or whatever, who's been blessed because they practice some form of law or Torah. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Well, it's kind of like throwing the baby out with, with the bathwater. There's a lot of good that a lot of the government stuff sure. has done. Sure. Uh, Provide for the I, I consider defense. I consider the emancip the emancipation. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there was people that yep. were very badly abused. Absolutely. And had it not been for a few that said, "Okay, mm -hmm. we better stop," mm -hmm. <laughs> then it it didn't take place. Um, no, nope, you're exactly and right. And I think and I think a lot of times, you know, we can we can say, "Okay, it's all bad." A lot of the laws in here, the bankruptcy laws, the uh, Social Security laws are taken from Scripture, Some of them you know, are, to yeah. provide for dependents, to provide for widows. and, and the, But, you know, my uh, big problem with that, not to, yeah. not to push back too yeah. hard, but that really was the church's responsibility. Yeah, that, yeah. I think we've screwed the church, up by was giving the church, it to the The government. thing is, was the church doing it? And it no, probably see, wasn't. Whose fault <laughs> yeah. is that? Yeah, it's the people. Yeah. <laughs> the people. <laughs> yep. Do you have a comment? Are we done, or do you have a comment? I... I They prohibited take Bible Bible classes at the public school, but you know, but uh, some private school like Catholic schools, they are still teaching their their belief. Yeah. Uh, and some Christian school they teaching, but uh, is some private they have it. Why they prohibit it to the public? I can. I don't have a good answer. If you don't like what they're teaching the public school, don't go to the public schools. Doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I was. Um, there was things when my kids were growing up, and and they were, you know, you can say they're teaching them Bible, but they're teaching them Bible a little bit warped. Yep. I would say, you know, yeah. it's not really well, Bible anymore. What they've got <laughs> anymore, I mean, right? So we used to have right a yeah. kind of a commonly held social belief, right? That yeah. in the in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even if you were Jewish. You know, yeah. but that's gone now. And if we were to pro, uh, be successful in getting the Bible taught back in schools, they'd want to also do the Koran, yeah. all the rest of this stuff. Well, and, and, and also, like with, with all the churches we have, there's so many interpretations of the oh. Bible. You can get, you can get interpretations. Oh, I don't know. That, in some sense, we kind of yeah. fell into our own trap. Yeah. Okay, John has hidden the microphone, so we're done.
Let me, let me, <laughs> he does that every now and then. Let me pray and we'll be done. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thanks for this group of people. Thank you that, uh, thank you that we're trying, God. Thank you that you are, you're certainly worthy of our um, study of trying to get to know you better. And I just love the way you guide us. You're a part of our lives. And I ask that you'd become more real to us all the time, that we develop a closer relationship to you, and that you would bless us as we study you. Uh, I ask that you'd keep us safe and help us to appreciate this um, secular holiday that's coming up and help us to just thank you for all that you provided for us over the past year. And just keep us safe until we meet together again. Reach you his name. Amen. Hopefully thank you, Jerry. You guys, thank you. I think it's good when John takes the microphone and hides it. <laughs>